Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. This is something that was already on my heart before we ever left to go to California the first part of June. And so we came home and pastor was ministering on it the last few weeks about the gifts that had been given to us, you know, for us to use. I thought, well, tonight I'm just going to kind of dovetail into what, what he was talking about last week. And he was talking about these, what he called functional gifts. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. Hallelujah. And let's just start in verse 5. So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and everyone members one of another. You know, one of the biggest things that I think he's tried to get across in this series is that you have, you have a concept of the universal church, which is like, everybody's, we're just all part of the family of God. Yes, we are. But we're talking in terms of the local church. You must have an understanding of the local church and the importance of the local church because that's where we put to into use and into practice, and that's where we develop and we grow in the things that God has put on the inside of us in the local church. Amen. And it says here in verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy, according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, which is service, let us wait on our practical service, or he that teaches on teaching, and that's not the fivefold, that could be in a classroom, Faith Island, in the primary department, in youth, in the, to in the toddler room, any of those places. Um, on teaching, or in verse 8, or he that exhorts, which is encouraging people, uh, on exhortation, he that gives, that is what it says it is, gives. Um, let me go back, find my spot here. Let him do it with, with simplicity, which really means generosity. He that rules, that is, leads or organizes with diligence. He that shows mercy, which is gifts of kindness with cheerfulness. And those are those, those functional gifts. But then it goes on. Let me just read, let's just read the next few verses and see. Because these next few verses tell us a little bit about some hows and, and how we put things into practice. It goes on. It says, uh, number nine, let love be without dissimulation, which is hypocrisy. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. I've got here glowing on fire with the spirit. That's what we need. That's how, this is how we use our gifts, glowing and on fire with the spirit. Whatever you've got, you know, it, a lot goes into not only the what, but the how. It doesn't matter what you've got if you don't know how to use it. There's a lot of people who've got something, but they don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to use it. It goes on, it says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Those are just some practical things, you know, that you could go along. Because really, when you go back up to verse 7 and you see that word, or ministry, that is just service. And here he's talking about, about our attitude toward one another and about how we serve one another, rejoicing in hope, 
patient, continuing, distributing, and given to hospitality. All these things. Listen, what this really boiled down to in a nutshell is that everyone has gifts on the inside of you. And every one of them are supposed to be used. They're not there just say, okay, say, well, I've got this, and, and I, could, I could do this. I can do this. I could Use it. Do something with it. Put it to work. Let somebody else see what you've got. Let somebody experience what you've got. Demonstrate what you've got. Those gifts, gifts find their expression and have their development inside the local church first and foremost. Amen. Now, I know it's camp week, and I know lots of people are on vacation, and I know lots of our, our um, parents took the opportunity to go do something while their teens were at camp, but you're here. You're here, and I, and I want you to be awake, and I want you to be engaged and I want you to get with it, and I want you to receive tonight. Because we can come in kind of sleepy, kind of tired, kind of like, it's been a hot day. Yeah, I know it's been a hot day. I went home, you know, about 3 o'clock, got some lunch, and I was coming back. There's just steam rising up off the pavement. I'm going, oh, Lord Jesus, come October, please, 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 please. But anyway, you're here now. The building is cool. The humidity level is low. So let's enjoy what God's got to say for us, okay? I want to hear you. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. But anyway, these gifts find their expression and their development in the local church. That's where they're supposed to be refined. That's the way they're, where they're supposed to be developed. That's the place where you're supposed to do it. You know, and, and honestly, there is the principle of firsts in the life of every believer, from the moment we're born again, we, we find all through the Bible, there's the principle of first. Number one, thou shalt have no other God before me. That's a first. You put God first. How about, we, we see an example. Abel, when he came to God, he brought the firstlings of his flock. The firstlings. When it comes to, to giving, God, the first, the first, not the last, the first 10% belongs to God. The problem some people have with giving their, just their tithe is that when they get through paying everything else, then let's see what I've got left. That's not the way this works. For me, paychecks are done around here on Monday. For me, the tithe check is written Sunday afternoon. First, You think, well, that's just petty. No, it's not. It's a divine principle that God will have his first. Not just in my thinking, but in my actual doing, God has his first. And that's a principle we have lived by for 40 years. You know, we were in Bible school, and there was, I mean, I mean there wasn't a good, a good penny to scrape together sometimes. You know, my, our philosophy was God gets his, then whoever I owe gets theirs because I will maintain a good name to this world. And if they have money for food left over, fine. If I don't, God will provide. And he always has. Nobody in my house ever went hungry. May not have been the best menu in the world, 
but they never went hungry. Because we knew that the, I've never seen a righteous forsaken or God's seed begging for bread. And if, and if the money wasn't there, God enabled me to take what I had and stretch it however much it needed to be stretched. And then sometimes he provided, you know, in other ways. But he, we never went without. That was the point because we put God first. And when it comes to the gifts that God gives you, you need to put him first. Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Don't go out and take your gifts to the world before you take them to the house of God. You bring them to the house of God. You put them to work here. And I guarantee you when you go out into the world, those gifts that you have that can be applied into in the natural world will be more enhanced than you ever thought possible because you did it first in the house of God. That's a principle of the first that we need to get into recognition of. Our, our gifts are to benefit others. And we start by being a benefit to those in our own church family. That's where it's put together because Ephesians says that we are fitly joined together. That means you have a particular spot to fill. You have a particular place that you're supposed to inhabit. You have a particular function that you are supposed to perform. And nobody else can do what you can do. Somebody may have to fill in the gaps when you don't do what you're supposed to do. But that's not the way that's meant to be. He wants you to do your job. He wants to do your thing. He wants you to, to take the gift that he's given you and to bring it in and benefit all those around you. Though somebody else might could do the job, they can't do it the way you can because you've been anointed to do that job. You've been called to do that job. He's already placed you in that spot to do it right then, that way, in that place. It's like trying to take contemporary furniture sometimes and stick it in a Victorian house. You know, there are times people say, well, it doesn't matter where I use it. Yes, it does. If God joins you to this church, this is where you're supposed to use it. Because you won't fit somewhere else like you fit here. You won't fit somewhere else like you're supposed to fit here. Many is the person who have left because, well, I can't do what I want here, so I'm not going to find some place where I can do what I can. I can have my ministry. I can do my thing, where somebody else will appreciate what I can do. Listen, it's not about you. That's the whole point. It's not about you. It's where God has placed you. It's where God has ordained that you be, and that's the place you're supposed to use your gifts, and that's the place that your gifts will flourish. You might can go somewhere else and use them. But they won't flourish like they're supposed to. They won't be the blessing they're supposed to be somewhere else. I, I, I'm thinking of a particular, a particular person that, that left one church to go to another for no really good reason. And you could see going down the line that had they stayed where they were supposed to be, that there was things waiting for them. You know, God starts us off sometimes just because this is the way it is. You know, he'll start you off in one place in the local church, and you think, well, okay, 
I'll do, I, I guess I can do that. Listen, if you're faithful, God will bring you on and further and further and further. But you see, it has, you have to give God something that he can trust. You have to give him something he can trust. He needs to trust in you that you're willing to do whatever. We're going, I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, hallelujah. And then, you know, um, Steve brought this verse up. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. I want you to go over there. You know, there's, there's a lot of times that people don't want to use their gifts. They don't want, they don't want anybody to talk to them about gifts that they need to be using for the kingdom of God. But really, what are the gifts for? The, those functional gifts, those abilities and things that we bring to, um, to the body that we're part of, what are they for? It's, it's the, whole, the whole concept here is understanding that when we bring the things that he's put in us already and put them to use, we're partnering with Jesus. We come into partnership with him. We're here to do a work. He's in heaven, but we're here. But we can join together with him in partnership to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. You see, what God wants us to do here is a partnership venture. But we're equal partners in this thing. And the blessings that come from partnering with him are going to show up. I promise you, they will show up. Because over here in Matthew, it says, Matthew 11, starting in verse 28, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many people do you know that just strive day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year in this world, and they're always burdened down? They're always heavy laden because they're always trying to do it on their own. Jesus said, come to me. All of you who've been trying to do it on your own for so long and you found no great results, come to me and I will give you rest. Verse 29, take my yoke upon you, me and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest for your souls. You know, I think I said this a long time ago about yokes. You know, we look at yokes as something that's oppressive. Yokes in, in some instances, are oppressive. I mean, communism was a yoke upon the people of, of the countries that they were in. I mean, Russia, Crimea, the Ukraine, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, all those countries, they were under the yoke of communism. It was not a good thing. But yoke doesn't always mean a bad thing. Yoke, in this instant, is a good thing. That means hook up with me. Become my partner in what we need to do, the job that needs to be done. Come with me, and, and it'll be easy. It'll be easy. Let's join forces. Join me. Partner with him. I mean, this, isn't that what the Holy Spirit is? The one called alongside to help? When we get in yoked with him, he's called alongside to help. We're, we're likewise called alongside to help him. 
He's got a job to do on this earth, and he's depending on us to get the job done. He can't do it without us, and we cannot do it without him. That's why we need to be yoked together. Um, it says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amplified says this, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened. Anybody been overburdened at times? Oh, yeah. And I will cause you to rest. I will ease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, meek, and humble, which is lowly in heart, and you will find rest, relief, ease, refreshment, and recreation, and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome, it's useful, good, not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be borne. How about that? Goodspeed says, for the yoke I offer you is a kindly one, and the load I ask you to bear is light. He's taking the responsibility of the load. In this yoked situation, he's carrying the heavier load. You don't have to. He's not asking you to. The Norley translation says, for my yoke fits so easily that my burden is light. It fits so easily. And why does it not fit sometime? Well, there's reasons why it doesn't seem like it's easy sometimes. Usually it's because you've got yourself yoked up to the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm in partnership with God. Oh, yeah, yeah, but I don't really have any desire to do anything. Well, there's a problem. There's a lot of people who sit in churches all the time and do very little of nothing. They think that just because they come to church and occupy a seat, that that is their gift. Seat warmer. Oh, okay, I'm a seat warmer today. No. You have to have a desire to be in partnership with Jesus. You can't get into, you can't yoke up with him if you don't have any desire. I mean, let's face it, you know, if I don't want to eat my broccoli, I am not going to eat my broccoli. Jesus doesn't expect you to do what you don't want. He doesn't want you to do what you don't want to do because you do him no good. If you don't want to do it, then you're a liability. If you try to do it, because your heart's not in it. How about willingness? Well, I don't want to be out of service. I mean, you know, I, I, I just have to be in the service. No, you don't. Are you telling me just because you're not in the main service that God can't minister to you? It's not, again, it's not about you. The gifting that God puts on the inside of you is to be a blessing to someone else. There are many things that can be done that means that you're still in the service. There are many things that can need to be done that means you're outside in a different type service. You have a service in the Tiny Tots room. It may not be exactly the service that's in here, but I guarantee you, if your heart's right and you're willing, you'll be equally as blessed in there as you would have been in here. You can be ministering in the toddler room. That's a service. You're not out of service. You're in service right in there. You're in service in the three- and four-year-old room. 
You're in service in the five and six-year-old room. You're in service in Faith Island. You're in service in Lighthouse. You're in service in youth. You're in service in, in Showtime. All those places, you are in service. People come up with all kinds of good reasons why I can't. Well, I can't. I can't do this. I can't do that. Just, just own it. Say, I don't want to. Just own it. I appreciate honesty in people. Over the years, I've had people give me all kinds of reasons why they couldn't even come to church. I had one young lady look at me and she said, Pastor Angela, she said, I could tell you all kinds of things, but I'm just going to tell you the truth. I just don't want to. And I went, I appreciate that so much. Thank you. It's a blessing for somebody to be honest with you for a change. But see, people don't want to be honest. They don't want to be honest to somebody who's asking them, I need your help. But worse than that, they're not being honest to God. Give God all kinds of excuses. Listen, God knows your heart. You can say all the, all the things you want, try to justify everything about why you can't do it. Well, I can't do this because, I can't do that because. I've seen somebody over the years who used to come to church three times a week, and now they only come once a week. And, well, why? Well, I, you know, I don't want to drive that far. Really? There's not potholes along the road. This is not Africa. This is not out in the middle of the desert somewhere. It's just a short drive. Don't tell me, you know, I just don't want to drive that far. How far is that? How far is too far to have to go for where God has called you to be? Luke, Rayleigh, how far is too far? Nothing's too far. I mean, listen, I live a mile and a half away. They live 20-something miles away, and they're here. There are other people who come from distances, you know, and for those of us who, who are here just within a 10-mile radius or a 5-mile radius, we have got no stinking excuse. I mean to tell you, that just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to, to think that something, you know, to think that kind of nonsense. You know, a person who is willing to do whatever, you may not know exactly, I really don't know what what it is I have to give, I really don't know. We'll start somewhere. Just find a need and feel, oh, but I, you know, I don't, no, I don't want anything to do with that, that particular area of ministry. No, 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 no. Well, are you willing to do it or not? Jesus didn't say, now, Lord, I'm willing to go to the cross for all the pretty people. But you know those, those kind of ratty, homeless-looking people on the side of the road? I, I'm not doing it for them. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, no, no, I don't want to do that. I, I will be happy to go to Jerusalem, but I do not want to go to Galilee. No, no. He didn't quantify what he was willing to do. He was just willing to go, willing to do. Whatever the Father said do, I'll go do it. I'll do, do wherever he says go, to whoever. He put himself at risk when he went to the tax collector's house because everybody else didn't like it. But he didn't care. Because he was willing to do what his father told him to do. He was willing to follow the leading of the Spirit. Well, the leading of the Spirit, whether you recognize it or not, is to get involved and to use the gifts that God's given. And you might honestly find yourself in a place where, I really, this is not really exactly my preference here, but I will do it. I have a willing heart. I will do it. You might find that you have the biggest gift for that area that you never even considered. 
I mean, somebody volunteered several years ago to go work in the Tiny Tots department, and they came because, well, it just kind of seemed like, I, I just need to be doing something. Let me just go in there. And they found out they dearly loved those little one- and two-year-olds, that they're just fantastic, that they teach this person as much as she teaches them, that they bless her as much as she blesses them. Give it a shot. It won't kill you. I promise you. After a time, if it does not work in too well, we can find you something else. But at least you said you gave it a shot. You know, in my lifetime, I have been in every single department that there is. Every single department, including cleaning the place. We've done, I've done it all. You, know, you need to try it all. You really do. The person who comes up in, in a company, I, I, I'm th thinking of... Uh, Amy's father, who was a, a big executive in a, in a large oil company and, um, and a coal mining company, I guess it was, not an oil company, a coal mining company. And he went to school. He got a, he's got his degree in, in engineering and all this kind of stuff. And when he went to work for this particular company, he started in the mines as an ordinary miner. Why? To learn all about mining. You can't learn all about mining if you don't start at an entry level. There are things that you will learn on the way up the ladder that you will learn no other way. In the things of God, a lot of times it's the same thing. There are things you need to know about how the local church functions and about what you do, how it works, and how best to pray for people because you've experienced it all at all levels. You know, there's, there's a place for that. Sometimes people are yoked up with the wrong thing called motives. No, I don't want to do anything that where, where nobody knows what I'm doing. I want everybody to be able to, you know, see what I'm doing. I want everybody to recognize that, that I'm filling a spot, that I have a gifting in a particular spot. Years ago, we had a lady came, and she's gone on to heaven now. Uh, and she didn't, you know, she didn't stay. But she had a beautiful voice, could sing the house down. But it wasn't good enough to be in the choir. Didn't want to be in the choir. She wanted to be a lead singer. Well, that don't fly around here if you're not willing to be. Hmm? She, and she wanted to be a featured soloist. That won't fly around here. If you can't be part of the team, you're not going to be the leader of the team. We start with following before we ever get to leading. If you can't be a good follower, what do I mean by a good follower? Somebody who, whose heart is in what they do, whose motives are pure, who is willing to follow instructions, who's willing to receive correction. I could go on and on. But that's what makes a good follower because then you can be a good leader when you've experienced those things. How about attitude? Some people are just so yoked up with a bad attitude, it's not even funny. Listen, don't do me any favors by volunteering to do something if you've got a bad attitude about it. It's best for the job to go undone than for you to do it with a bad attitude. You know, there have been people over the years that what they're doing is like, you should just be grateful I'm here. I'm standing at this door, and I'm greeting. Oh, yeah, we're greeting. <laughs> That's a great greeting. 
when you, and everybody walks up and goes, Ugh. you know, let's walk around that person. Okay, let's just give her a wide berth here. That doesn't help anybody. Doesn't help anybody. Attitude is not going to have a good end result. Listen, you can turn somebody totally off as a greeter because you have a bad attitude at the front door. If you come in and you're in a foul mood, you need to go to the bathroom and get it straight or get somebody to fill your spot. You think, well, that's been kind of tough, Pastor Angela. Well, you know, I'm just telling you what I've had to learn the hard way. There's been many times, I don't know how many of you remember, this, we've been here for a long time in this building. How many of you remember the old church? Okay, two-story thing. You know, the offices were in the lower level of the building next door. And there have been many times leaving that office and coming up the back steps into the auditorium where I had to have an attitude change from that bottom step to that top step. This is the space of time I give myself to get my heart straight and my attitude correct. There have been some times where the, the walk down the hallway of the office, from the time I leave my office to the time I hit that door, requires an attitude adjustment. I remember a couple of times pastors said to me, if you can't get your act together, you need to go home. There are some times I would like to say that to people as well. If you can't get your attitude together, you need to go home. You, you can make or break somebody's impression of what this body is all about with your bad attitude. Well, you just don't know. It's been stressful. There's no excuses for it. My burden is easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. That's what Jesus said. Do you believe it or not? Casting all of your care upon him. Do you believe it or not? Can we put anything aside for the moment to do the work of God? You can come back to your stress later if you want. But you shouldn't. You should put it down and leave it down. But your attitude needs to change. If you can't come serve with the attitude that you're supposed to serve, you are not yoked up with Jesus. You are not in the same yoke as he is. Hallelujah. Your bad moods are totally unacceptable. I don't care, ladies, if it's PMS. I don't care if the kids have been giving you a fit all the way to church. I don't care if you just had a fight with your husband. I don't care what it is. Your bad mood is not acceptable. It's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to God. Not me. It's not acceptable to God. You're supposed to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, totally acceptable to him, to him. That's what this is all about. Like I said before, you have, to, you have to trust God. Lay all that stuff aside. You have to trust him. You have to learn to trust him, and you have to give him something to trust. I can put this, this assignment in their hands. I can trust them to do it and to do it the right way with the right heart, with the right attitude. See, give God that, that opportunity. You know, Jesus had opportunities to be stressed. He had opportunities. But, you know, when it said over up in verse uh, 29, it said, learn of me. Well, then take, let's take a look real quick at some of the things we could learn from Jesus. Jesus in Mark chapter 5 
This is the start of his day. First, he has to deal with, with the madman of Gadara. Okay, good way to start the day. Then he gets in a boat, and he crosses over to the other side, and there's this throng of people waiting on him. I mean, you can't get away from them. I mean, they're, they're all right there. It's like, I mean, there have been times when I felt overwhelmed because I just, from, I turned from one thing to another. Somebody's asking this, somebody wants this, somebody wants that, somebody needs this, somebody wants my attention on this, and it sometimes can feel overwhelming. This is Jesus' day, okay? We talked, so we did with the mad man of Gadara. Now we've got a whole throng of people waiting on you. Then the next thing you know, Jairus is right there going, my daughter's sick, I need you to come to my house. And on the way to Jairus' house, the one with the issue of blood stops him. He has to stop and he has to deal with that. Give them all a lesson on that. And now in the middle of this, Jairus' servants come to him and say, forget it, master, just forget it. Just, go, just, just, just never mind, your daughter's dead. And Jesus turned around and looked at him and he said, mm, mm, no, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It says when Jesus overheard it, this is what one version says, overhearing but ignoring. He heard all this and he ignored it. See, there are times when we just have to let the devil say what he's going to say and just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just my focus is on ministering to people. My focus is taking the gifts that God's put in me and actually using them and putting them out there to benefit the people that I will come in contact in this service. That's what Jesus did. He was not crisis-driven. Not crisis-driven at all. He was calm, cool, collected, wasn't phased by it. Paul and Silas learned this. How did they learn it? How do you know they learned it? Because at midnight, they were singing and praising. Not crisis-driven. Not the least bit. They learned. They learned from what Jesus did. But here's the key to what Jesus did. Luke 4, verse 1. You just need to see it. Luke 4. Verse 1, here is the ultimate key to how you do this. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. You can stop right there. Full of the Holy Ghost. The key to fulfilling your place and optimizing your gifts is the anointing. Being full of the Holy Ghost. There is an anointing for every assignment in every local church. There's an anointing that goes along with the gifts God has given you. You can take a gifting that God has given you and you can use it just in your own, your own ability and your own measure of whatever. But I'm telling you, there's an anointing that's supposed to accompany it. And when you tap into that anointing, it makes all the difference in the world. There ought to be anointed greeters out there at the door. There ought to be anointed ushers sitting in here and out there. There needs to be anointed teachers in every single classroom. There needs to be an anointed person in the cafe, an anointed person in the bookstore. There, every person has no excuse not to come in being full of the Holy Ghost. That's where the key is. When you're full of the Holy Ghost, the life of God will just flow out of you in such a way that anybody that comes in, a stranger or just another believer, will automatically sense and respond to the fullness that's on the inside of you. And that's what you're after. 
You could be greeting out there at the front door and seeing somebody walk. If you're full of the Holy Ghost, as you see them walk up, you'll know in your heart that I just need to give them a hug. I just need to do this. I just need to say, I'm so glad to see you. There's something that God can tell you about that person. If you're ushering and you're full of the Holy Ghost, you'll know, pastor's going to need this here in just a minute. Be ready for him and waiting on it. See, it's our job as believers and part of the local body to be full of the Holy Ghost so we come in ready to perceive what's going to happen in a service and what needs to happen, not to direct the pastor, but to flow with the pastor. Brother Steve, he starts, he prays about, about the morning service. He prays about which songs to sing. He prays and, he, and he's, and he's going to get the mind of God. And I don't know if, if some of you know it, but so many times he picks the exact right songs that you would have thought the two of them got together and had a conference before church and came up with the song list. It's called the Holy Ghost. And every single person functioning anywhere needs to be involved in that kind of ministry so that you can flow. I don't have an assignment for today. Yes, you do. Your name might not be on the help schedule, but you already have an assignment. Your assignment is to be prayed up when you get here. Your assignment is to be full of the Holy Ghost when you get here. Your assignment is to draw on the anointing when you get here. Your assignment is to participate in the service in such a way that the glory of God can fill this place and God can minister the way he wants to minister to the whole body at, at large. You already have an assignment. Every single time you come, you are on assignment. You have a gifting on the inside of you. It's called the Holy Ghost that you need to just be aware of and tap into. Hallelujah. It's true in every single department. Just because you're a helper in tiny tots does not mean you, sh you shouldn't come in full of the Holy Ghost. You're a teacher in any, any, any place, just a monitor in faith on. You need to come in full of the Holy Ghost. Those children need you to be full so that you can give out, so that you can respond, so that you can perceive what needs to be perceived when a child needs something. There are children who come in over there, who come in with heavy hearts. I want you to pray for my mom and daddy. They've been fighting a lot. They've heard that kind of thing over there. You need to be ready so that you can be a blessing to those children. Hallelujah. Someone recently told me that their whole family begins to get ready for Sunday services on Saturday. They have children, and they begin to talk about. Not, I, when I say getting ready, some of you all make go, okay, lay their clothes out, you know, decide what everybody's going to wear, you know, decide what you're going to have for lunch on Sunday. No, they begin to talk about church the next day, and how they get, they're excited, they get to go to church. And about, and about what God's going to do when they get there and who they're going to get to see and what wonderful people are that they're going to get to talk to when they get to church and, and just hug and be glad to be there. That's part of getting your assignment together and get it ready. Too often we wait till we get here and go, oh, okay, let me get their sheet streaks gone yet. Okay, all right. Listen, church starts at 1030. Most of you have jobs that start before 10.30. You have a job on Sunday, too. You need to get up and get ready for your job on Sunday. 
You can come in here early. Miss Iris comes here early every Sunday to pray. Well, I don't have a particular job. I don't know I can. You can come pray. You could pray at home. We, we have prayer on Monday nights. You could come do that. John and Ruth Hargrave, before they went home to heaven, they were one of the, some of the most faithful people that there were to come to prayer. Now, granted, as they got older, sometimes they slept through prayer, but they were here. They were here. They had a dogged determination to be here and fulfill what God had assigned them to do. Hallelujah. Oh, I got five minutes. <laughs> Listen, now, I, there's one thing I wanted to get to before I stop, and, and, and it's something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. Giftings are not to be retired. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They do not go away just because you reach the age of retirement, naturally speaking. You are not entitled to pass the responsibility of sharing those gifts to the younger generation. There is no spiritual social security. You didn't store up all your giftings to be used and be lived off of now. No. Listen to this. Um, it's said that an olive tree takes 40 years before it bears fruit. 40 years. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of us are in age, we need to renew some strength daily. Psalm 92, 14 says, They shall bring forth fruit in old age. When you're 20, you think 30 is old age. When you're 30, you think 40 is old age. When you're 50, you think 60 is old age. Honey, eh, you just didn't start at 60. You're just getting started at 60. Believe me, I know. Joel and Acts both talks about how old men shall dream dreams. Tells me God intends to still use you no matter what age you are. Don't just take the back seat and say, well, I'm this age and, you know, I don't need to do anything more. I've already done my part. No, you haven't. Your part does not cease until you leave this earth. Does not cease until you leave here. You will get no quarter from God when you get there and say, well, I, you, know, I, you know, I was this age, and you know, all these younger people, they, they had more energy than I did, and, and so I just let them take over. He's not going to say, uh-uh, no, no. Mm -mm. Listen to this. Caleb was 85 years old when he said, give me this mountain. 85. Abraham was in his mid-70s when God said, get up and go. Moses was 80 when God talked to him out of that burning bush. Noah, now Genesis 7, 6 says that he was 600 years old when the floodwaters came. Now, according to the Bible, it took him 100 years to build it. He was 500 years old when God gave him the assignment to build that ark. And you think 55 is nickel. Oh, it's time to retire, honey, at 55. No. This man was 500. And God gave him a 100-year assignment. Whew. In, in Luke chapter 2, verse 36, Anna, the priestess in the, in, the, in the temple, when they brought Jesus in, 
It said she had been married for seven years. She had been a widow for 84 years. So we don't know how old she was. She had to be at least 100. If she'd been married for seven, she'd been a widow for 84. You know, let's, let's face it, even if she had, you know, been, you know, 15 or 16 years old, which was not uncommon to get married, she's over 100. And it's, the Bible says that she served God. Listen to this. She served God with fastings and prayers night and day. She wasn't confined to a rocking chair. You know, she wasn't going, oh, I'm in the old age home. Listen, who's, not to, who's to say that revival can't start as a flash out of a retirement center? If you have the idea that God is done with me and I'm done with him, I'm just waiting for my chance to get out of here and go to heaven. I've done all I need to do. you got another thing coming. As long as there's breath in your body, the gifts that God put in you, he expects you to use. Jackie Benefield is a perfect example. I'm telling you, blesses me every time I think about it. She knew as a teenager that, that God was calling her to missions. Life got in the way. Things happened. At age 63, she left here. She went to the other side of the world. And when she was home last year for an extended period of time, she went right back to wanting to work with the kids. She put her gifts to use while she was here. Well, I'm a missionary now, so I don't need to do anything. No, because her heart was in the right place. Her heart was to do whatever she needed to do. Whatever was needed, however she could do, however she could be a blessing, she was willing to do it. Keep on doing it, keep it on until she left to go back again. I'm telling you, seasons of life come and seasons of life go. You know, for me, my children were younger. I, I, my, my focus had to, be, had to be my kids. But there were still parts of ministry I was still involved in. I don't care how young you are, how young your children are. I don't care what the season of life is that you're in. There's still a way for God to use you and you to put the gifts he's put on the inside of you to put them to work. I mean, I, I know like Glenda right now, she's having to take care of her mother. I mean, Miss Audrey's 99 years old. And so what she's been doing for a long, long time, she's had kind of had to put aside. It's a season. And yet she can still pray. She can still come in, you know, and put her best into the service. There's still things she can do. You don't just say, well, I'm, I'm free, you know, because I've got this. I can't, you know, I don't need to do anything. Yes, you do. There is plenty to do. There's lots of things for you to get involved in. You can be called of God and never actually operate in the place of your calling. You can be called and God can give you an assignment. But unless you have the anointing to go with that assignment, it will not produce what it's supposed to produce. You have to hunger and thirst for that anointing to come on you. And you know it when it does. Hallelujah. Um, Jesus had a certain, had a sense of urgency when he was walking this earth because he knew time was short. The day and age that we're living in, we should have the same sense of urgency because the time truly is short. Don't neglect the gift that's on the inside of you. Don't take it for granted that it's, ah, it's no big deal. If God put it in you, it's a big deal. 
the person who serves faithfully in the baby room will have the same reward as the pastor who served faithfully in the pulpit. Same reward. It doesn't have, it's not so much what the gift is, but how faithful you are in it that determines that. Because you don't ever know how you affect the life of one child if you work with children. You don't know what that child will grow up to become, to accomplish for God. And you don't ever have any, have any way of knowing what part you played in helping them reach that place they will ultimately be. You, it's not up to you to decide the value or the worth of the gift that God has put on the inside of you. That's God's business. It's up to you to take the gift that he's given you and to use it to the maximum effect, the maximum benefit, and to do it in your local church, in the place that God has put you, in the way that God has ordained for it to be used, with the right heart, the right attitude, and with the anointing, and expect it to be there, because it is. It's available to you. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.